Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, me, this guy right here, Greg Mahochko. Joining me in unusual order, at least on my screen, over here is Todd. Hi, Todd. Hey, Greg. How you doing? I'm peachy keen, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. And down here, our fearless leader, our founder, Coronation's beloved uh, kick-ass of heart attacks, Mr. John Dam Johnston. Hello, sir. Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> do you want a nice, honest answer, or what do you want from that question? <laughs> I feel like those might be two different answers. There's the nice answer or the honest answer. <sighs> well, I went into, I have a whole shitload of staples in the back of my neck. It looks like they tried to cut my head off and then they stapled it back on. Obviously for for U.S. government secrets. But uh, I thought I was going in to get a cancerous cyst cut out of my neck. But what happened was is they cut it open and my underdeveloped twin that I never knew I had named Bob jumped out with a thing and started screaming at the doctor. and She slashed him up and then she had to stitch up the entire wound. So it's miserable. You didn't expect it to start that way, did you? That was not the uh, beginning of the show I anticipated. It's not the one I had planned. Um, oh. are, I, I hope you were on a, a very short road to recovery and, and that you get feeling like your crotchety old self anytime now. Well, I'm feeling more crotchety than ever. Perfect. <laughs> you know what makes you feel? I grunt, uh, I grunt a lot. You know what? You know what the thing is, is uh, I'm here for, you know, to tell you guys what it's like to get old, I guess. I thought that's why Todd was here. Yeah, oh, well, you're doing my job. <laughs> well, I'm taking over this week. This last weekend, I went to see uh, my neighbor's former neighbor's son had a housewarming party, and my neighbor told me about how he needed to get his shoulders replaced. I want you to think about that for a minute, because that sounds fucking terrifying to me. I mean, <laughs> the idea that, you know, I know they do hips and knees, but they're going to replace your shoulders. I mean, what? I mean, he played college football. He played, you know, Division One. I. I think he played Division One, maybe Division Two. But he was a lineman, and he was particularly a nasty son of a bitch. And uh, I guess he's uh, got like no cartilage left in his shoulders. And this is what happens, you younger people. You need to start taking fish oil and glucosamine. And we're going to turn this into the supplement show. <laughs> and the first supplement we're going to be talking about is. Blue Chew. No. <laughs> God, it really is the old people show, isn't it? Uh, let's peel back the curtain uh, briefly here. Just before, hell, it was before I even knew John was on the call. Uh, that's why we're out of orders, because uh, we didn't know when John would be joining us. We're certainly glad that he's here for the duration. Um, but I heard a sound from the kitchen, and knowing that all the rest of the family outside of the dog are all upstairs. I, I was like, sound like the dog just threw up. Like it sounded like a splash. So I had to go investigate and obviously clean up if necessary. Come to find out if the dog kicks a hot wheel car into a shoe, it sounds just like the dog throwing up. So no mess to clean up. Probably a hot wheels cars that need to be, you know, consolidated, but I'll let future Greg deal with the that. The dog didn't eat the car or swallow the car. No, but the dog has chewed some Lego pieces. No. 
So that's the, we, we've been working on it with our oldest back, buddy. You got to pick up your, your Legos, like either snap them together or put them in the bin so that she's not chewing on them. So, but that's not why we're here. We are here to talk with you, the good folks about uh, Nebraska athletics and blue chew. No, uh, I just like to say that because I, I know that you guys get a uh, enjoyment. We get excited. They do. That that's that's how you know you need the blue chew is when you get excited <laughs> hearing about the blue chew. No, um, look, it's been Todd and I were discussing. It's been a pretty quiet week from the football uh, side of things, but there are some things going on in other Nebraska athletics. Uh, and Todd, or not Todd, John, uh, the baseball team, I believe they were up your way last weekend, weren't they? Did I get that right or am I wrong on the location? Yes. Yep. They, no, they were in Minnesota. Didn't go well. No. What happened? They, they lost the worst team in the conference. You know what? What was it? The eighth inning of the second game, Todd, where they had a guy caught. He was off the bag, and uh, the catcher overthrew a ball and allowed him to escape, being be a sure out. And things just shit. They just shit the entire series down from there. Yep. Yep. They had the ball game won. Had it won. Like eight to five in the eighth inning, was it? I think that's about right. Yeah. I got so frustrated. I've been trying to erase it from my memory. I. Oh, oh. Minnesota is a bad baseball team. They, they are, are. They are. So I'm I'm doing uh, the Lord's work for the benefit of our listeners, and I'm on coronation.com. Aaron's uh, uh, right up on that uh, final game of the series starts with this unfortunate statistic, or or maybe not statistic, but note: May 17 to 19, so 17, 18, 19th of 2019 was the last time Minnesota had won a Big Ten baseball series. Let's, yeah. That's three, almost three years ago. You know, it, it, we're just about to the middle of May until, you know, you know th- this past weekend. So. Johnny Anderson, has been, he's been a coach at Minnesota for 41 years. And his teams the last, what, two years, Todd, have been at the bottom of the conference. They've been awful since this pandemic started. But I think that I and I don't know this. I don't follow Minnesota baseball close enough. But I think that also what happened in the last two three years is one of his closest assistants retired, and I was told by some Minnesota people that that guy had a huge impact on how the team was run. And um, and anyway, him leaving I think has caused a lot of damage. And then you know the pandemic I think has hurt some of the baseball teams that just haven't been able to develop players. And I Minnesota is just bad. Their pitching's bad. Their hitting is what maybe average, a little below average. They have a couple guys that can hit the Kelly kid, uh, but I I just so fucking disappointing losing this series to them. It just yeah. the season, you know, the season is just done. They they had to they had to at a minimum win two of the three. And, you know, a sweep, a sweep would have put them at nine wins, I think, if my numbers are right. And, you know, they, they're gonna, they were going to have to have double-digit wins, I think, to make the tournament. And 
it just didn't happen. And John, you mentioned uh, the assistant coach. I think that assistant coach was the one that was doing, you know, the commentary, color commentary on the BTN broadcast. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that this is accurate, but, you know, when, when a person's been a coach at a program for 41 years, and when you get up into, you know, the age bracket that he's in, I think it gets more and more difficult to recruit um, because there's such a disconnect, generational disconnect between the head coach and the players. Now, you can overcome that with the right kind of assistance on your staff. And really, it has nothing to do with John Anderson's ability to coach. The guy has forgotten more baseball than other coaches in the Big Ten Conference even know. And, and, you know, that's one of my arguments when I was a you know, principal and athletic director, when parents had come up and say, well, the coach is too old. The coach is too old. The age of the coach, that's, that has nothing to do with it. They, you know, just because they turned whatever age doesn't mean that they all of a sudden got bad. But in the case of college athletics, I think it really plays a role in what kind of recruits you can bring on campus. And so I think that has as much to do with Minnesota's decline as anything. I want to point out a couple of, uh, you know, surprising statistics. John Anderson has been the head coach at Minnesota longer than I've been alive. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still only 66. Right. So he's just a guy like that, you know, I'm, I'm sure probably played there. Right. I mean, you guys both probably know better than me, um, but, you know, played there and then immediately went quote unquote back home to, you know, fill a spot of probably the, the guy who coached him. Uh, but there is that that's a, a difficult, I guess, bond to break, you know, from, from the university side. If, if he's, if, if they've been this bad for that long and he's still hanging around there, that's, and look, folks, I apologize. This is not the, the Minnesota you know, it's not a Minnesota podcast, but it's we we have to deliver some context for you because that's how bad Minnesota's been, and they still keep the coach, which means they're never going to well, fire him. You know, he'll have to look not. within and be like, "It's just time to retire." Yeah, it'll be time. Yeah, it, he'll have to. It, it will be his decision, unless you've got an AD, unless you know uh, uh, revenue changes drastically donors step away you know that type of thing but you know what's really frustrating i guess back to the weekend is that nebraska won you know on on friday night and we had every beat reason to believe up until the eighth inning on saturday that they were going to walk out of there with two wins and for it to end up that game goes 12 innings should have been over and then I mean, I'll tell you what, that game Sunday was just miserable. That was yeah. just a miserable ball game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, I, you know, I, they've got two series left. I, you know, three, three games against Illinois, who's, you know, up there towards the, the top of the conference and then against Michigan State, who's kind of middle of the road. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, – I don't know. I, I hate predictions, but I, I, I don't see a, a positive end to the year, unfortunately. 
Yeah, go back to Minnesota for a minute. 2018, Minnesota uh, makes the NCAA tournament. They beat, I think it, they played, they hosted, and they played Gonzaga and UCLA because I shot that series. And uh, they, they beat UCLA, I think, to move on and go to the Oregon State Super Regional. And they almost beat Oregon State, and Oregon State went on to win the College Series. So for them to go from we almost made the College World Series to we're a complete bucket of shit is just uh, just amazing as a trajectory, I think. But that brings me to my next, like, my eventual uh, 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 next step of the conversation was, Nebraska was picked to win the conference. Yes. I mean, they, they have not lived up to that expectation. Is it, <laughs> I, mean, I know, John, am I putting that uh, mildly? <laughs> am I understating that a little bit? Um, is, is it just injuries? Is it, is it the fact that, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times uh, and I'm not trying to push the blame, but is it the fact that, you know, last year you know spring of 2021 uh the conference said well there's not going to be any out of conference competition you know and and so a lot of guys didn't have but every other school in the conference faced similar um restrictions so i don't know you know maybe not quite to the minnesota success of of 2017 or 2018 john which you were talking about a moment ago to falling off you know, the cliff, but Nebraska had a, a nice postseason run last year and they had lofty expectations and then they just fell flat. So I'm from, from a guy who doesn't follow it all the time, certainly like you do, Todd, I'm curious, uh, is it more than just like the, the fact that there's been injuries, um, you know, and what, what can you, what can you pin it on? Well, I, you know, the first the first response that a lot of people are going to say is, you know, the pitching staff was decimated. But in, in spite of that, guys, for the most part, the pitching has been good enough yeah. to win more than they have won. Yeah. And, you know, I, I you know, if we were going to rank the reasons, absolutely poor hitting across the board. I mean, you know, I, I guess I, I haven't looked at the stats after the Minnesota series, but if there's one, you know, regular player in the lineup that's hitting over 300, that would be uh, Garrett Anglum. And I don't know if he's still up there, but you don't win very many ball games in college baseball if you can't score some runs. And we've seen situations where that has happened. I mean, there have been moments. Didn't we have the same conversation with uh, basketball and didn't we have some of that same conversation in football where there have been times they've looked just incredible, but um, you know, the, the, the hitting is off and you've got guys last year that hit very well that this year they're 60, 80, maybe even a hundred points lower with their, with their batting average than than what they were last year. That to me is number one. The number of errors, Greg, and and you know, last year that defense was outstanding. And you know, rarely, you know, there were a lot of games you didn't see a single error, and they they would put together streaks of games 
without an error. It was not unusual this year to have multi-air games. And I, I want to talk a, a more macro level about errors because that's right. It, look, I'm not, I was not an all-star, you know, I, but I have, I like, I played high school baseball, like to feel, you know, I was the guy who understood the game in like the mechanics of it better than I could actually get out there and, and perform. But I always felt that errors were mental mistakes. You know, like if, if, a, if a line drives hit right at the second baseman and he reacts as quickly as he can and he knocks the ball down, that's not an error. But if he's being lackadaisical or not paying attention and he throws the ball over uh, the first baseman's head, that's an error. You know, um, my dad used to say for years growing up, uh, watching Cardinal baseball, you know, and, and as as the times changed and as the, I guess, probably athleticism of the outfielders changed, uh, you, 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 this is for the benefit of, of you uh, watching on YouTube. You know, it was always, you know, I'm, I'm right-handed, so glove on the left hand and right hand up there to, you know, help collapse it. And then that that started to go away and you just had the, the one hand catches. And uh, my dad would always say, two hands, easy money, you know, that type of thing. But getting getting back to the original question before all of my, you know, personal history, I feel it, errors, aren't they more of just a, a mental situation that, that can, you know, by doing little things can be rectified? Well, the, you know, the scorekeepers keep track of the physical errors. And sometimes those physical errors happen because of a mental error. But, um, you know, there's there's no column for the mental errors that are made. And, right. you know, um, I just think that how do I want to say this? Um, I think a lot of the the physical errors that have taken place this year have been because of a lack of focus. Yeah. Um, has been because of uh, maybe trying to do too much. And, um, you know, th that compounds the problems. I have a question. We talk about Scott Frost coming into the Big Ten and they, you know, facing this Big Ten based football thing, right? Where teams are tough and physical and they have big linemen and they run the ball. And then we talk about, you know, when Fred Hoiberg came into the Big Ten, well, is he going to play? be able to play in the Big Ten, the toughest conference in the nation, and Big Ten style of basketball where they have big guys and they're tough and big and strong? One thing we never talk about, I never hear anybody talk about, and I don't know enough about baseball strategy to discuss it is, is does Will Bolt have to figure out how to be successful in the Big Ten? Is that a thing? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, John, I think that's a good question. And it's a pretty good observation because, you know, one of the things about, okay, so when, when Will Bolt played at Nebraska, you know, Will Bolt was this little five foot six, five foot seven second baseman um, and, and scrapped like hell. I was just a like gritty, right? He had that yes, kind of like absolutely. hard nose, hard nose mentality. When you look at, and you know, I, I have great seats at Nebraska games, you know, and um, I'm about as close to players on the field as one can get. And it just amazes me how big across the board 
the players are from other teams that come in and play at Nebraska. New Mexico State this year, those guys were, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Iowa, with the exception of their shortstop, big old tall guys. I guess maybe their second baseman was kind of squatty. Rutgers, Michigan. My God, Michigan looked like a basketball team. You know, they got all these big old rangy guys that play. Now, that being said, the Nebraska team, you know, I think kind of takes on a little bit of the character of their coach. And they are, he is looking for those gritty, scrappy kinds of players. Now, that being said, those little bit smaller guys, hell, they can hit the ball out of the ballpark just as much as, as anybody else. I, so I, I don't think the physical aspect is any different. But I think and, – and, and for Will Bolt, you know, adjusting to the Big Ten style of play, Will Bolt was an assistant in the Southeast Conference, and they dominate baseball in the Southeast Conference. So where Will Bolt – I think has come up short a little bit is he's got to do a little bit better job recruiting top end pitchers, but more importantly, there's going to have to be some changes. Um, and I, it, it, you know, with, with hitting and, I don't want to dive into that. We could get there. You know, we could go down rabbit holes. Like <laughs> Pitch three. count. Is that it? Pardon? <laughs> pitch counts well you know here's here's something that and, and you know i would say i'm not as good with pitching as i am the other aspects of the game but here's a here's a one of those rules of baseball you can't pitch from behind and throughout you know most of the season nebraska starting pitchers were pitching from behind um you know, with a couple of exceptions were, you know, the night that, or the day that Shea Shanneman pitched down in Texas and Shea Shanneman had a couple of starts where he did get ahead of, of pitchers. But that Friday night game against Iowa a couple weeks ago, that Iowa pitcher was always ahead in the count, always ahead in the count. And, you know, that's a good spot to be when you're a pitcher. Nebraska's pitching needs to adjust in that way. Back to the conference. Right now, Rutgers leads this conference at 16 and 5. Maryland is second at 13 and 5. Iowa and Illinois is tied for third. Rutgers All of those Maryland, teams were predicted to be up there along with Nebraska. Rutgers and Maryland are ACC teams. Mm-hmm. Really, they came out of the ACC in baseball, and the ACC faced Florida State, you know, perennial college World Series team. Every year, every year Rutgers would go down to Miami for their opening series of the season and get the shit kicked out of them when they joined the Big Ten. Uh, Steve Owens came as their coach, and now they're winning the conference. I, I just pointing that out. I didn't really – I don't know if I had much more to say that, than two ACC teams that are leading our conference. Uh, and doggy way, I had a second thing I was going to go with, uh, pitchers. We had news this week. Tyler Martin's gone. Tyler Martin's gone as of today. It sounds like God, what's just violating you know, team rules. 
Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, that's what, five or six? I think it's six. <sighs> six pitchers who started the season. Yeah. On, yeah. And there wasn't a shitty one. <laughs> so, so be it um, injuries or other attrition that pitching staff's been been depleted this year. Um, I don't know. I I appreciate the baseball talk from you guys, especially Todd, because because you're so uh, knowledgeable, passionate, and and and, uh, and you show up to games. So. So that's great, but but no, I, I don't. That that sounded, you know, worse than I intended. But I don't have much more to add for for baseball except uh, it was mentioned. You know, Illinois and then Michigan State. Um, you know, go let's go big red. I guess I I don't know. Let let's figure it out and and try to try to sneak in the back door. Hey, yeah. the two teams at the bottom of the conference, so Ohio State and Minnesota. And, you know, we talked about John Anderson, but Greg Beals at Ohio State, uh, what the hell? That's another guy that has just fallen. The bottom's fallen out for him because they're not very good either. Yeah. And that's just – he won't last long. They won't put up with that No, shit. they won't put up with that. You know, Ohio. Minnesota will let John Anderson linger around forever because they're just kind of like, eh, well, we win sometimes. But Ohio State will not – I'd be surprised if he survives this year, honestly. Nebraska's roster is going to over 50% of that roster is going to turn over next year. He's got 20, at least 20 new players coming on board next year. And, you know, it, it will be real interesting to see who's gone and what some of these new faces are going to add to the team. And I think he's, my numbers are probably off, but I, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, uh, Juco transfers, and you don't you don't bring those guys in for depth. Well, you bring them in to make you know similar to the transfer portal in football or or yeah. basketball you, to to make an immediate impact. So um, we're going to take a timeout, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, another spring sport that's actually good. Uh, we're going to have some softball talk coming up uh, after the turn. Uh, so stick around. The Five Heart Podcast is. Up next, unless you're watching this on YouTube, I can't really control where they put their ads. Uh, so we, we might you might just be getting us right away. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, the audio version has the commercial right where we wanted it to be. The video version, crapshoot. We apologize. Uh, <laughs> Greg Mahochko here, of course, uh, John Johnston, Todd Wolverton. Uh, and we just got done talking a little bit about baseball which is unfortunate that we give so much time to a bad team, but we do it every football season. So, um, you know, <laughs> this is what we do here. We like to wallow in our misery. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about a good team. Uh, that uh, Nebraska Husker softball team, uh, they they did. I don't know if I want to use the word falter. They had a, a, a little rough patch there uh, a few weeks back, but now they are uh, in the Big Ten tournament. They beat Penn State uh, on Thursday, three to one. Did you guys have an opportunity to watch the game, or did you just catch up uh, uh, Andy's recap on Coronation.com? I I got to watch part of the game, the last three or four innings. Um, 
So, and, and you know what? It's great that Andy's there. Um, you know, his coverage on coordination has been good. And, and uh, um, I think he's, he's uh, I guess, just kind of reading between the lines. I think he's been um, excited by the atmosphere and, and, you know, all that's going on at that tournament. So, um, yeah, Nebraska did get a nice win. Well, they were the second seed. And, um, you know, they, they held, held serve, so to speak, against Penn State, beat them three to one. And then um, on Friday, they'll play uh, against Ohio State, who pulled, you know, the first upset of the tournament um, where they, uh, I think Ohio State was um, seated sixth and they knocked off the number three seed, Illinois. Um, they did and, but, and did so five to one. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the other thing, you know, when you get conference tournament time uh, is when they also, you know, have a, a lot of the honors and, and that type of thing. And, you know, Nebraska had eight of their players get all Big Ten conference recognition, which tied Northwestern. So those are the top two teams in the conference. But, um, you know, they they had the freshman of the year, um, mm-hmm. catcher Ava Breadwell and you know, she to have a freshman catcher, you know, that's one thing. A, a, a freshman that's you know behind the plate, that's a big deal in in softball. And and for her to be the freshman of the year, that's a real accomplishment. They had two first team players as well, Abby Squire and Cami Barris. So those two gals have been leading the team offensively, along with Billy Andrews, who was second, second team all conference. But uh, good showing, good showing with the all conference recognition for the for the Huskers. I want, I want to show some love and appreciation for uh, Andy. As you mentioned, he, he made the road trip, so he's in East Lansing, Michigan, which, by the way, if you're going to go to East Lansing, Michigan, go in May, like for a, <laughs> a, a softball trip uh, or, or something like that, or, or you know maybe April for baseball or softball, something like that. Don't go in November, December, October. I know I'm getting them out of order, but I had to remember October, January, February. Stay out of Michigan really as often as you can. Michigan's a crap hole, uh, but if you have to go, go in a warmer month. So, um, but I, I want to shout out Andy because Andy's his write up is, is tremendously entertaining. Uh, he's talking about the bottom of the fifth inning. Uh, I'm going to read this verbatim so I don't misquote it, and so you know you can go and read the rest of it. He says, but then Kayla Kinney started the bottom of the fifth by taking first after two of her arm hairs appeared to be clipped by an inside fastball. So just, just good stuff. Um, hey, you, you take those bases when you can, right? Um, but, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad he's doing more. Yeah, it's great to see you. Know, him years back. ago, he asked me, he asked me what, what do you want me to do? And I said, uh, you know, Andy, you're an asshole. <laughs> So be an asshole and you just own it, right? Like an asshole. Cause you're an asshole. And he's like, okay. And you know, a lot of the times he just writes, uh, he's, he's very, uh, well, he's an asshole. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he, he's writing more. I'm glad that I think he can be very entertaining. <sighs> I concur. <laughs> uh, so no, uh, Best of luck to the the women. Again, they're taking on uh, Ohio State. As you're listening to this or watching this, if you're watching it early enough, they're taking on Ohio State today, Friday, two o'clock. And uh, you know, good luck to them and and get them a couple more dubs and maybe bring some hardware back to uh, Lincoln because you know you know that's 
in recent memory, it's been, it's been the women who've been carrying the 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 winning load, so to speak. So wanted to give them some recognition. Also wanted to talk about, uh, and this is going to go back to our winter sports. Uh, let's talk about some former Huskers that we like to keep tabs on. We'll go with the more recent first. Bryce McGowan's, uh, John and Todd, I don't know if you know, I'm sure you do. Uh, he is going to participate in the 2022 NBA Combine. So Nebraska had him for a hiccup, a cup of coffee, as they like to say. Uh, and, and you know, we certainly wish him well. Um, you got to look, I don't, it would have been great to have him for another season. Um, but yeah, let's be realistic. You know, you got an opportunity to go and, and, and make bank while the body's healthy. I, as a younger guy, I used to, I don't know, be more selfish about it. Be like, no, you can't, you've got to stay. We, but you know, there's only so much tread on the tires and, and, you know, if you're a, um, a hot NBA prospect, you know, like, like Bryce says, you know, a projected first rounder, or, or if you're a running back who, who uh, uh, I mean, as, as a guy who never played football and still has shoddy knees, uh, go, go get that paycheck while you can guys. I I'm, I'm done uh, being, being selfish and dramatic. Well, well, I'll tell you what, you know, the, the whole one and done thing, that phenomenon in basketball has been going on for, you know, quite a while now, John Calipari seemed to be able to capitalize on it at, at uh, Kentucky and, and Coach K tried to at Duke as well. But um, Nebraska never had the caliber of, of no. athlete who would ever qualify for a one and done. Right. Like, you know, so so it's we're in uncharted territories. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, here's here's crotchety old man. You oh, know, shit. Well, two of them. Who, who, I am I am an NIL fan and I am a transfer portal fan with but they they both need to be changed so I'll preface that out front but the the whole one and done thing there's a solution to that in basketball and that's that D league or G league or whatever the hell they call it those those teams are subsidized by the NBA if kids want to play one year of basketball and then get into the draft and and you know hopefully get drafted and go to the NBA then the hell with college. Skip college. Go play in that G League or that D League or wherever the hell it is. They're paying them salaries there. We don't need them in college basketball. College basketball is exciting enough. So, you know, get rid of the whole damn one and done thing and keep those kids on campus for two or three years. Kind of like baseball? Kind of like baseball. I'm going to say this is where I, I – maybe I don't necessarily – disagree with the concept however i don't think like look you can be a hot prospect out of high school and go into the g or d or whatever you know element op league that that you want to uh be in and yeah you'll be subsidized a little bit but there's no guarantee that that's going to like translate to uh, uh, i still think that for and maybe maybe i'm speaking out ignorance here, which wouldn't be the first time. Um, but I feel like more eyeballs, higher profile, if you're at a at an Illinois or a Duke or a Kentucky or North Carolina or a Kansas or, you know, wherever that you have, you can elevate your, your draft stock. You know, you might be able to jump from a, a fourth round. I, I don't I don't know how the NBA draft works. I don't think anybody does it. It's bullshit. Um, but you can, two rounds. okay. So you can, 
you can that's not, that seems awfully unfair because there are a lot of college basketball players and I feel like more of the you know let's let's it, let's usher out the old guys if you've been in the league more than 10 years it's, it's time to go um you're probably not playing at an elite level anyway anymore uh so <laughs> wow I just said that for the reaction Greg I just said that for the reaction. Maybe you just like to euthanize everybody over 60, too. <laughs> no, my parents are o- over 60. I would never consider such a... Well, somebody elderly. else would do it for you. Nobody's going to take on. out my parents. John, I'll beat you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyway, oh, Bryce God, McGowan. John, we're doomed. We're doomed. <laughs> Bryce McGowan's, uh, congratulations. Good luck. At the combine, uh, the other former Husker I wanted to mention uh, is Jordan Burroughs, uh, the uh, gold medalist and now five-time Pan Am champion. Uh, Todd, this is more your wheelhouse. I'm not sure how familiar you are with everything, but uh, uh, it, it's another accolade for uh, really the the brightest shining star that come out of the Nebraska wrestling group. Yep, no doubt, and. I think what's most impressive is his right now is his longevity and the fact that he has bounced up a weight class and um, you know, five Pan Am championships, uh, gold medals. That's great. I will say this, you know, in the big scheme of international wrestling in the international community, the Pan Ams are not the toughest, you know, the, the country South of, the United States wrestling isn't nearly as uh, significant of a sport as it is in other parts of the world. But that being said, it is international level competition. There are guys in some of those countries occasionally that will medal at world competitions and that type of thing. Um, so I don't want to take that much away from him, but well, you, you know, did. The, you just peed well, in his tears. <laughs> the fact of the matter is he's won five of the dang things. He continues to be the the top wrestler in our country at the, at his weight class. Um, that's just phenomenal, and I don't see him slowing down. I honestly thought, I honestly thought when Kyle Dake knocked him out of the Olympics that Jordan probably was going to call it a career. And I think he's been rejuvenated. And I don't see him. I, I, I bet the guy's got another two or three years in him. That's the great thing about wrestling is there's no there's no age cap in that like that shoddy basketball. You get in there if you can hang. We we want to see you on the mat. I, I feel like he was just talking about me there. Who? <laughs> Todd. Oh. He might have another two three years in him. <laughs> no 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 no. See here's the thing, John. We know that you perform at an elite level every time. Oh, God, really? And thanks to Blue Chew, your wife knows it, too. <sighs> hey, moving on. Um, <laughs> John, you did a video earlier this week um, on the coronation, official coronation uh, YouTube page titled, Can the NCAA Do Anything About NIL? I think we all know the answer to that question. Uh, <laughs> um, but we did get some feedback on that. I wanted to uh, share some of those questions. Charles asked, when they start regulating head coaches' salaries, then I would consider regulating NIL money. Do you think that'll ever happen? Fair question. Do you think that they're ever going to put a salary cap on 
coaching salaries? I, I mean, I feel like the answer is no. But. No, I don't think you can. <laughs> that would be antitrust too. And anytime you try to limit somebody's salary, that's an antitrust yeah. thing. And if there's one thing that America has done well, it's pretty Overpay lawyers. people? Oh. <laughs> no. This is a capitalist country as far as I'm concerned. And there is no idea of overpaying somebody. You earn what you negotiate or you earn with just what they pay you and uh, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, uh, no, that's antitrust. You know, years ago, Greg, in the, uh, I think it was the 1980s, uh, there was a, a fear I won't in know America about it then. Nobody, I was very yeah, little. They, there was a fear in America that nobody talks about the, today. And that was the fear that there were a lot of Elvis impersonators. And somebody put out this thing in the papers and they said, and it was, it was like a meme before memes were memes before the internet. And they said, you know, at one point there was only one Elvis. And then there was like, they started calculating the number of Elvis impersonators around the nation. And they said by the year 2000, 85% of this nation will be Elvis impersonators. Mm. And that didn't happen for, you know, whatever reason. But I think if we would look at how life is in America right now, this is true for lawyers. Is it because Elvis was lame? Elvis was lame. My God, there went part of our listenership. You fucking blasphemer. I mean, I'm not the biggest Elvis guy, but I, I know that you don't say shitty things about Elvis and live. Actually, no. Um, there is an Elvis biopic coming out. Are you familiar? No. There is it, it actually I, I was again saying things to be entertaining, John. But Baz Luhrmann uh is directing, I believe I think it's just called Elvis. Um and it's you know from uh early, you know, it, it, it's early life to you know his Las Vegas years. Um, same actor is playing, you know, they're doing special effects and makeup and things like that to age him up uh, and fatten him up appropriately. Looks really good. I encourage you, John, if, if you're even a mild Elvis fan, I don't know how, I mean, you, you are on the internet, right? I mean, you know about this thing called the internet, John, you can, sometimes it was all over the internet when, when the trailer came out, I can't believe you missed it. I, I have actually set most of my search stuff to just not Elvis. Okay. Well, now we can, I, I feel like now going I, back, back, you going back to the original question. I, you know, the NFL, does the NFL have salary caps for coaches? I mean, do they have a cap for coaches? I don't think they no. do. They have I don't think, players, I don't think any right? entity has a coach or has right. a cap for coaches. No, no. And there's no cap for CEOs because we throw money at those sons of bitches. All no, the there's no cap for CEOs. By far the America, most underpaid. The last time I checked, you fucking commie bastards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, do you have another question? I do. Because uh, I suddenly have got energy now. <laughs> this is what I do. I, I wait till the very last uh, bit of the show for to wake you up. Uh, Linda <laughs> asks the other question is who's going to manage the locker room? Some guy is going to make be making five hundred thousand dollars, and some guy is going to be making a dollar twenty five. Are you thinking there are not going to be some issues there? Oh, they're talking about the players. Some guys are, yeah. you know, the, the, this is going to be, we, we've talked a little bit about that. Like, you know, the, the alleged like Oshawn Mathis type of numbers versus, you know, some of the more local guys who have, you know, little, little deals with Runza or whatever. And I'm sure Runza's 
compensating fairly, but you know, there are some other, you know, the, the guys who maybe just have a, a, a online store with, with a, a, a trademark, you know, apparel type of thing, maybe not driving a, a ton of, of a revenue, but do you think that there's going to be fallout from that? Or if, if the team is winning, do you think there's as much care? I think that look at, look at, how college football's coaches are now. I mean, one of the greatest videos you'll see by any coach ever, and you can go look at it up, uh, look it up on YouTube, is a post game by Jerry Burns when he was the Viking coach, and he says "fuck" about eighty three times, and it is an absolutely. If he, if a coach did that now, we would all shit ourselves. We would just go, oh, my God, this is the family-oriented NFL that still employs sexual assaulters and, you know, rapists and shit. But not that. Don't say the F word, coach. But here's the point. We take our coaches, and we, and we they're supposed to be uh, a football strategist. They're supposed to manage, a, in Scott Frost's case, a 150-person roster. They're supposed to uh, do recruiting every single minute of their lives. They're supposed to be good and stand up in front of the press. Think about Bob Diaco. Okay, Bob Diaco was a disaster, but Bob Diaco was a 10 times the disaster he was because he should have never been in front of a mic. If Bob Diaco could just go be a defensive coordinator, he probably wouldn't have been the horrible disaster that he was. But when you stuck that guy in front of a mic, he couldn't talk for shit. So we're asking our college football coaches to do all this stuff, and now they're going to have to manage locker rooms where uh, the right guard's making $600,000 this year and the center is making $2.50. That is going to No right guard is going to make $650,000. Wait, wait, wait. The, let's talk. example, Todd. Let's talk the about angry the – angry lineman-hating fucker. Let's talk about the opportunity that a right guard being sponsored by right guard – yeah, Todd. But yeah, I mean, realistically, really, right guard should you're, have you're, deals with every right guard across the country. You're you're taking. I mean, Tom Osborne was an exceptional coach because he knew how to manipulate people. I mean, he knew how to coach him, but he also knew how to manipulate him. And when you say manipulate, people go, "Oh, well, that's bad." No, not really. Not all not the really. time. You know, sometimes it's mentoring taken to another level. But he knew how to put guys into positions to be successful, to get the most out of them. He knew how to work with their heads to get them to do stuff. And he, so did both of his coaches, Charlie McBride and Mill Teniper. All right. Those guys were masters at it. And I'll be honest with you, it, it gets better as you get older, knowing how to do that to a certain point, you know, deal with people and deal with the relationships and stuff like that. But you're going to ask college football coaches to take on all those rules. The number of people that can do those rules and do them all successfully is the, probably it's less than the good quarterbacks in the NFL. And how many good quarterbacks are there in the NFL? Two. Twelve? Ten? Maybe three. There's, there's, no. There's those not one in Green Bay, that's those are, sure. those are excellent quarterbacks. I'm talking about good. There's not well, none. There's none in Wisconsin, that's for damn sure. You know, but – those those differences in the locker rooms, you know, now it's cash, now it's money, now it's it's attention. Um, there's been inequity in those locker rooms 
forever. I mean, I don't you know the, the the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver, they're going to get the they're getting the good looking girls. You know, the the linebackers, the the you know, the defensive back, they're getting, you know, the second tier. And then, you know, the linemen that they're settling for whoever is left. And No. No. Whoever's who the, the person picking up the scraps is the backup long snapper. Well, yeah, I haven't mentioned kickers and punters yet. <laughs> I mean, there's there's always been that kind of inequity that coaches have had to deal with. I but this now, is way beyond that. But I, I feel like you know what when, I mean. When there when there are commas yeah. and zeros involved, I feel like it's a different it's a different animal. So didn't you hate those frat guys that had the nice cars? If motherfuckers driving around with brand new Trans Ams and you're like pedaling on your bicycle and you're like, I'm going to follow this guy. And when he gets out and goes into the building, I'm keying his fucking Trans Am motherfucking Z28 driving shithead. Huh? Huh? Okay. That, nobody that else feels, felt that way that, but me. Fuck you. you that liars. feels strangely specific, John. It, it, uh, is there, <laughs> you know, whatever. Is there anything you're not allowed to say because we're not outside of the statute of limitations just yet? <laughs> well, we're out of those. <laughs> That's right. You are old. But uh, you know what I mean? I, there's, there's that envy jealousy thing. That's one of the seven deadly sins It's in, inherent to every human being uh, controlling that or, you know, dealing with that is. No, I, 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 mean, I had one of my I linemen in high it, school. But I, I do think it's going to be a challenge. I had one of my linemen in high school next to me tell me that every time he thought one of the running backs was getting too uppity, he missed a block. <laughs> I was aghast at this, but you know, that's it. Ole. Yeah. And, you know, okay, down that we're going to lose our other games by one score again. There you go. You miss block motherfuckers just because some other guy got $600,000 and you got pizza. All right. One more thing about your uh, video, John. And, and look, we encourage, we appreciate all the comments and there are a fair amount of comments on this. Uh, the last one from Dennis. Uh, doing a little bit of fact checking on you there, uh, uh, John. He says Marie Antoinette didn't really say "let them eat cake." It was repeated on the streets. He says it's fake news from 1789. Now, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, courtesy of Britannica.com, there's no evidence that Marie Antoinette ever said "let them eat cake." We do know people have been attributing the phrase something similar in French. I can't read uh to her for nearly 200 years and debunking it for just as long the first time the quote was connected to antoinette in print was in 1843 okay my response to this is everybody knows that there's only been fake news for the past let's say eight years and all the news before that was always verified and and objective and non-biased and there was never Everything ever reported in human history before like eight years ago was factually correct that they didn't, you know, opinionate on the news and, and bias up the news. And it, there you go. I had textbooks in the 80s in grade school that made acid rain seem like something that was going to be way more significant than it's not something we ever hear about anymore. That's because we have all sorts of stuff. Can I get political for one? Just it's not really that political. No. Okay. 
I'll talk to you guys. Ask me after the show. You know, I'll Marie Antoinette you. may not have said that, but she sure was thinking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's not hey, really Todd. fake then, is it, Greg? Yeah, or Diane or Hora. Who said that? Debbie? No, Dennis. Dennis. Okay. And there's no way <laughs> for you to know what was going through her head before the guillotine, Todd. So knock it off. I've seen documentaries on the French Revolution. It was definitely going through her head. I think what was going through her head is I'm going to stain my knickers. You're going to shave your knickers? What? Stain my knickers. Oh. What, she what, was guillotined. Yeah, she was. Yeah. That's pretty damn ghastly. Well, you probably would be quick. I mean, other than the whole dragging you up there in front of a crowd screaming for your death. <laughs> You, know. you just got to, it's one of those things, even with the weight, you just want the blade to be sharp, right? I mean, you don't want to, all right, this is taking a weird turn. What I get, what I, you see where you went, you went there. I didn't go there this time. <laughs> I was just like, you know, making up stuff about the news. I do appreciate the people on YouTube making a lot of comments. We are getting a lot of comments on videos. So that's, we, that's nice. we appreciate them. Uh, we had some very nice comments. Uh, uh, you know, folks from our last episode, uh, you know, they appreciated our our uh, brief uh, and, and sobering conversation about mental health. So uh, they appreciate that and, and they agree that it's something needs to be talked about more. So we're not going to end the show with that. Uh, we're going to end the show with a joke. Todd. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, you got nothing. Can, can I can I say this is important? Uh, it's not a joke, but about the time that Nebraska and Ohio State are are opening or starting their game tomorrow, uh, I, I get to meet Todd. Oh, you do? Yeah, I I get the pleasure and the privilege of meeting Todd and his lovely wife, and we're gonna go have some barbecue. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. John, you're invited. Just make sure, just make sure you know where her hands are at all the time. <laughs> just saying, not going to explain that. Just make sure you know where her hands are all the all the time. And we ended on a joke. Woo! Yeah, motherfuckers. I'm trying to figure out how concerned I need to be. Just don't sit next <laughs> to her. Can I tell you a story about a, a, a friend of ours in college? Yeah, yeah, because that's that's a good way to end the show. Yeah, and it's relative because okay. you went to Nebraska. Okay, so Tom was this uh, guy that was a wrestler. It was one of my roommates, and uh, Tom and I would go to parties. And Tom would, you know, Tom was boisterous like I was, and he was loud like I was, and gregarious, and we had a good time. And and Todd, he, he, Tom, or I would tell this joke to people, and the joke was this: and we'd make sure there was a bunch of people around us. And the joke goes like this. There's these two snails going across the desert. One of them looks at the other one and says, do you know what time it is? And the other one says, what do I look like? An alarm clock? And we'd start laughing. And there's no joke here. There's no joke at all. But we would start laughing. I would, If Tom told the joke, I'd start laughing. And the people around us would all look very confused, but they'd see me laughing. And then they'd start laughing. 
And then, of course, because they're laughing, I'm thinking, you fucking people thought this was a joke. You don't even know how to respond or react. <laughs> they start laughing. Tom starts laughing. The whole fucking place would be blowing up. You know, I mean, just ah! and we did this just to screw with people uh, all the time. So it, it was just some stupid that we did for fun. And it always worked. It always worked because people are just. uh <laughs> You can never you can never predict what an individual is going to do, but you can almost always predict what a crowd is going to do. I'll just let that go right there. Well, that that reminds me of a line from the first Men in Black movie uh, where Tommy Lee Jones is Agent K is sitting with Will Smith, who would become Agent J. And he's telling him that aliens exist. And, and Will Smith's character is like, well, why don't you just tell people, you know, People are smart, and and Tommy Lee Jones says the person is smart, but people are uh, irrational and and fearful and everything else. So it feels like when we get into a crowd, our overall IQ lowers. Oh, and then, no doubt. And then <laughs> and then we're just screaming off with their head, and there you go. And there you go, Marie Antoinette guillotine eating cake. Full circle. <laughs> For full, full circle. circle. Tied it all back together. That is it for uh, this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, we had some fun. Hope you did too. I've got great news. I was telling Todd before the show, and John, I'll fill you in. Uh, and, and we want to say early congratulations to all of the graduates because graduation is today, uh, Friday. So uh, w- among those graduates is our very own Haas Reuter. And that means that Haas is going to be coming back. I don't know if he's going to be staying, uh, but he's definitely coming back. And from what I've gathered, our buddy Haas. A tease. uh, Our uh, mild-mannered prince of of, uh, uh, hearts. he's, He's coming back with a little piss and vinegar. So that's all I'm going to say right now. That's all I'm going to say right now. But uh, uh, I don't know if we're going to get the the, you know, one of our commenters asked months ago if we're going to you know do a uh, lineman review or preview ahead of the season. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to get something from Haas. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be, what it's going to sound like, but I think it's going to be entertaining. <laughs> uh, but uh, in, in all sincerity, congrats to Haas. Congrats to all the graduates for all of your hard work and effort and uh, making it this far. Now go out and get jobs, you lazy bums. You got student debt to pay for. My my rotten son graduated today from the University of Minnesota. Congrats to him. Yeah, congrats to him. I mean, he could have gone to better schools. I have a nice photo with me and Goldie Gopher. Oh, you should save that for the next uh, $5 bits of broken chair trophy game. Okay. That's it for the show, boys and girls. For our founder and fearless leader, John Dam Johnston, for Todd Wolverton, I'm Greg Mahachko, reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red. Todd? Go Big Red. And I'll see you tomorrow, Toddie.